welcome to I Wish I Knew, a Twitter research podcast. Each episode, you'll hear from different researchers at Twitter as we explore why research matters and celebrate the people and culture surrounding the work. Research is the spark that ignites countless insights, ideas, and solutions. It connects us to the humanity on the platform in deeply empathetic and inspiring ways, and it helps us better serve the public conversation. So we hope you'll join along and tweet us your questions at Twitter Research. Welcome to this episode of I Wish I Knew, a Twitter research podcast. I'm Annie Ornstein. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a white woman with red hair wearing a black shirt. I'm the research manager on Twitter's discovery and connection pillar. And what that means is that I support all of the researchers across the teams that we consider part of, quote, discovery and connection. Those include the home timeline, the search, notifications, and explore. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest from outside the research team, my fellow colleague, Isabella. Hi, thank you for having me, Annie. I'm Isabella. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a white woman with brown hair wearing a light blue shirt. I am the product lead for interest experience with the goal of making it easier for new customers to connect with their interests on Twitter. So I work on this customer problem broadly across a lot of the surfaces that Annie mentioned. So I partner really closely with the PMs on home timeline, on search, on notifications and explore to try and make it easier for new customers to get started with the Twitter app. Yeah. So one way to think about that is we have our surface teams like home and search, notifications, explore, which are the tabs across the bottom of the app. And then we have teams like interest experience that Isabella runs, and they are kind of the engine that powers those surfaces to make sure that you are getting the interest and able to connect with the interests that you most care about across the app. So In this episode, we are going to be discussing how to do research that is both fast and impactful. We'll be using Twitter's new rapid research program as our main example of how researchers can get quick insights out to the team and create a process of iterating and innovating. But before we start, let's dive a little bit deeper into what we do here at Twitter. So Isabella and I have very different jobs, but we're fortunate that we get to work together towards the common goal of facilitating the public conversation on Twitter. The role that I, and all of research really, plays in that mission is representing the voice of you, the user, in the rooms where decisions are made. Since obviously you can't be there, we wish you could, honestly, it would really make things a lot easier. (laughs) But since you can't be there, our job is to represent you in those rooms. The way we do that is hopefully not by making assumptions or generalizations about what you would want, but instead by going out and talking to users, talking to a broad range of users as often as possible across the globe. And that helps us build empathy for the experiences that folks are having on and off the platform and getting constant feedback on how we're doing and how we are serving that public conversation. 
And I'm lucky enough to get to partner super closely with Annie and our other wonderful researchers at Twitter to better understand what they're hearing from customers. So trying to listen to all of the things that they talk to customers about and their perspective on what customers need with the end goal of delivering on experiences that make it easier for customers to accomplish whatever they're trying to do on Twitter. So when the app changes, that's usually the result of lots of people across product design, research, engineering, coming up with an idea for how to make the platform better, and then actually building that solution so that it reaches the end customer. And there are really three main pillars of my role. So the first is delivering for the customer, which means actually launching changes to the app that you all see. The second is facilitating for the team. So trying to make sure that everyone can work the best that they can towards this common goal. And third is to build a better company. So strengthening the broader company and culture so that we are better able to facilitate the public conversation on Twitter, which really just means changes to the app you see or to make it so that it's a better experience for you and you can better solve whatever problem you're trying to solve on that app. Let's talk rapid research. To start off, why does research matter? The way that I like to describe my role is that I work with extremely talented folks who could build anything, but just because they can doesn't mean that they should. And research is the should. It's not a dig at my colleagues, but if you work here, then you inherently are using the app differently than someone who doesn't work here. And it's really important that we don't lose sight of that. And so that's where research comes in. We have some of the most incredible engineers, designers, product managers, and what that means since they're so great at their specific jobs is that they think of it differently than someone who doesn't have that job. And so we try to continually ground our teams and remind them what the experience is like for someone who doesn't have a degree in engineering or someone who isn't a designer and maybe can't follow the exact logic. And I think just to add on to that, the problem gets even bigger when you have a platform like Twitter, where it's easy to listen to some of our loudest customers who are obviously so important to the platform and the platform's success, but are not representative of everyone who is trying to use Twitter to solve problems. So especially on interest, because we're so focused on new customers, it can be easy to lose sight of that as we're seeing tweets on Twitter. So research can help us both here are the things that we're not hearing from our coworkers who use Twitter all the time or our loudest customers who also regularly use Twitter, but also to better understand the distinction between what customers are telling us they want and what they actually need or feel, because sometimes those two things can be different. And so this is critical to building intuition about our customers, distinguishing between the good and bad ideas, and ultimately delivering on a strategy. And changes to the app that meet customer needs. So research is really critical at every stage of the product development cycle, which is why I was very excited to hear about rapid research. So Annie, please tell us, how did you come up with the idea for rapid research? So when I started at Twitter back in March, a lot of my product teams didn't have a dedicated researcher yet. So part of my job was 
hiring those researchers. But I feared that in the meantime, the product teams might lose sight of their users and exactly what folks want from the platform without that regular access to feedback from a diverse set of users. So I basically created this program so that I and my teams knew that at least once a month, they could ask questions, get feedback on ideas and designs, and get gut checks to ground them in the reality of our users. The goal of the program in its essence is to help the team build customer empathy and conduct tactical research at a rapid and consistent pace. We'll talk more about tactical and why tactical matters because not all research questions and not all product questions can be handled in this way. And part of that is because of the specific methodology. So The way we make rapid research rapid is that it is bare bones. About three weeks before the research happens, we open signups and we have an actual signup sheet where teams have to sign up. They have to tell us their research question, what decisions they're going to make based on the findings. You know, we want to be sure that we're actually asking the right questions that can impact the team and help the team rather than just things people are maybe curious about. So people have to sign up about three weeks in advance. And while that's happening, we start recruiting our people that we're going to be talking to. Uh, And we talk to six users each month from around the country. Right now, it's U.S. only. And we, we recruit for a diverse set of users who have different habits on the platform. So, you know... We don't want to talk to all people who use Twitter 10 times a day. We don't want to talk to people who never use Twitter. So we get a really good mix within those six, but it's a small sample. And that's part of why you know we can't answer every question with six users. And so people have signed up. We start recruiting about a week before the sessions happen. The teams meet with us and we go over the research questions. We go over any kind of designs or prototypes that we're going to be sharing. And then the research happens over the course of a day or two. We spend an hour with each participant and our teams, when they sign up, each sign up gets 20 minutes. So there are three teams that can sign up for slots and those teams get 20 minutes each they might be able to show multiple designs in that 20 minutes, or maybe that 20 minutes is spent you know, really diving deep on one thing. And that's something that we work on with them to make sure that they're using their 20 minutes to the fullest. So then if interviews happen, let's say on Monday or Tuesday, we have the report out to them by Friday. And that way they have findings at the end of the week. Again, there are massive trade-offs. It's a small sample size. They're not getting a ton of time with those users. But for the research questions that we are looking to solve in rapid research, it it does a really good job. It can really be like, I found that it was three weeks from initial sign-up to having learnings, which really means like you give final designs on a Friday and you have early insights by Wednesday. So when you think about like a long product development process of like, designing and building, the fact that you can get really actionable learnings in three days is just like so remarkable. Yeah. And for for context for our non-researchers with larger studies or more involved studies, it often takes weeks, if not a month or two to get a study up and running. And then you could be conducting interviews for a week or two. If it's a quantitative survey, 
you know, it might be in the field for a week or two, you do translations. And then depending on how many interviews or the size of your sample, you could be doing analysis for three weeks easily before writing a report. And so there are times when for larger studies, it could be three months from start to finish. And so having this start to finish in three weeks is a really big deal. And there are trade-offs that come with it, but it is really valuable if we're using it for the right thing. Once all the logistics and and kind of background admin things were set, then it came time to socialize the program within Twitter and drum up interest. That can be difficult when we're remote, when I'm new, and so no one knew who I was anyway. And that's really when you kind of have to take on the role of just hype man. And I did a lot of things to try to get people to pay attention. It was nothing short of begging people to sign up. And I literally was begging people to sign up. I sent out a lot of Slack messages that got ignored, a lot of emails, a lot of individually bugging other managers, other research managers, researchers, anyone I had a meeting with, letting them know that this resource was available. And more than anything, I was a broken record when it came to meetings where someone would say, oh, it would be really nice if we could get research on this. Or I wish I know what someone thought about this. You know, anytime there was some kind of sentiment of like, we would like research, but we don't have a researcher. My response was, well, we do have rapid research. And so I I really just tried to hit everyone over the head with it as much as I possibly could. And you should really write a playbook for how to build hype. I think she met the audience <laughs> in every place they were, every corner of Twitter. My, my playbook would just be like, have no shame and do all the things and always include emojis or gifts or something so that it gets someone's attention. I would love to know from you. I mean, I cast a very wide net trying to get people's attention. So what did it for you? What made you decide to sign up the first time? Yeah. So we were spoiled on interest with some of the best researchers out there. I'm probably biased, but I do think it's true. So we learned to really depend on them. Like a lot of our roadmaps were entirely based on these broader problems that they were seeing that customers were having. And we're really like big bets on how we go about solving those problems. I think the main thing that we have been lacking for a while is that ability to be able is to get quick feedback as we're actually starting to get in the weeds of like, how do we go about solving this problem? So that's why I was so excited when I saw Annie's email for rapid research. And I actually missed the first sign up because everyone else was too quick. So I was grateful for the subsequent Slack channel pings for the second and third time. Because we just had so many questions as we were trying to figure out how to design several complicated features. Connecting people with their interest on Twitter is surprisingly hard, given that's what a lot of our heaviest customers use Twitter for. And so we found that we were sometimes talking in circles. And so once we signed up for rapid research, we could then stop speculating about how customers would react to things and instead just get them in front of them in a way that we could learn whether the directions we were going were resonating with them and might actually solve the problems we are setting out to solve. So once the program was up and running, we kind of started to hit our stride. As Isabel mentioned, we got our signups full for the first month, which was my biggest concern. And teams started coming to me proactively, asking when can they sign up, planning different types of design sprints 
which is when design spends like dedicates a week or two weeks to a very specific task or feature or product that they're working on. Strategy meetings, everything was being scheduled around kind of when would we be able to put this in front of users? And that was when it started to feel like, okay, people are, are understanding the value of this. <laughs> And we were definitely one of those teams. We loved it so much that I begged Annie to let us join the subsequent sessions, despite there only being a few slots available to teams across Twitter. I remember we had some back channeling going on between me and the designers on our team of like, who should be the one to put their name down. So Annie lets us go a second time in a row because we just found it to be so helpful. And I think the beauty of it for us was really just that not only were the actionables, were the learnings so actionable, but we were able to get them super quickly. Yeah. And that is really one of the most important parts of rapid research is the rapid piece of it. It's what makes it stand out, I think, for most other methodologies. If we have interviews on Monday and Tuesday, we want the team to have those insights and recommendations by Friday. So this does mean that the insights are going to be much more bare bones than a full report. We're not delivering a beautiful slide deck or anything like that, but we can get the team answers. Totally. I mean, normally going through research is really time consuming. If you think about like from the first moment, the team has an idea of what they want to learn about to robust learnings that we could potentially action on, mostly because there are just so many steps we need to nail along the way to really understand the customer and the problems that they're facing. So what I've loved most is just how rapid the results are. And even more, the time commitment from everyone on the team involved is less. So we can quickly talk to customers, understand what they like and don't like fast enough for us to then change our course without having invested a ton of time in the wrong direction. So I love that this program, I think, incentivizes all of us at Twitter to be talking to customers just a lot more regularly. But that said, there's, of course, a trade-off with this approach and a full research report where we're focusing longer sessions with specific customer segments. So I imagine we'll continue to rely on rapid research in the places where speed is the most important. But I mean, Annie, I'm curious from you, like, where do you think rapid research can help the most as compared with the regular research we typically run at Twitter? Yeah, it's important to remember that, you know, researchers have a toolkit full of methodologies. And rapid research is one of them, which means that it's going to be great for some things, but it's not a one size fits all solution. But, you know, as you mentioned, sometimes it's exactly what you need. So this format and methodology works best for research questions like, is there a there there? So you're starting to noodle on some early concepts or prototypes and you're wondering like, does anyone even care about this? Do they want this? Is this interesting? And you're, you know, the earlier we can start getting feedback from users, even this kind of lightweight feedback, the better. Next would be a pulse check. So what's top of mind with our customers on a specific topic? If you are, maybe you're working on the search team and you're just like, what do people think about this one very specific element of search, right? And it's one of those things where maybe you just want to ask people a few questions. It's not quite enough to launch a full-scale study, but it's great to just start to talk to people that aren't in our industry. The third is 
does this make sense? So this is kind of what I alluded to earlier. Do customers intuitively understand our designs or directions? So we might have some new navigation or be moving a button. And for those of us who have been staring at it for months, it makes complete sense. But for someone who's seeing it for the first time and who isn't a professional designer, they might have no idea what this button is or what to do with it or where everything went. And so that's one example. And then also just real world experiences. How are people currently using the app? Everyone's timeline looks different, right? We have these algorithms that personalize our timelines, which means that I know what my timeline looks like, but I don't know what Isabella's looks like. I don't know what kind of recommendations she's getting. And so that's also why it's important to just hear what the app is looking like for people right now, how they're using it. And there are then, of course, you know, like Isabella alluded to with the trade-offs, you know, there are definitely times when it's not appropriate. If you wanted to know what is the current state of the home timeline and like what does everyone think about every element of the home timeline this wouldn't be the right place to do it right if Isabella wanted to do a really deep study on interests in different international markets or up-and-coming markets and like really dive deep into other interests in other cultures and other places like this is not going to be the methodology. And that's part of our job as researchers is that people can come to us with questions. And in some cases we say, this is a perfect fit for rapid research. And in other places we have to say no. And we have to say, you know, this isn't, we're not going to be able to get you actionable findings in this way. Yeah, totally. And I think part of that is because in rapid research, we don't as a team do all the upfront work of finding the right participants that match a certain demographic or a certain customer problem because we're talking to a set of customers, the same set of customers to try and learn about these things quickly without having to find all of this upfront. So for us, we went to rapid research with, as Annie eloquently described, a does this make sense kind of question. And because it was so helpful the first time, we went back with a similar question the second time. I mean, I think as product and design, we can spend so long trying to figure out how to solve a problem that we can get too close to the solution to guess how customers will react to it or whether they'll understand it. So we've been working on these two big features for a very long time that try to make it easier for new customers to connect with their interests on Twitter. So trying to deliver on more relevant tweets more quickly. And while we felt confident customers needed something like this, we knew it would never work unless customers really understood it and were excited to play with it. So rapid research helped us identify the gaps. There were definitely some pieces that customers didn't quite get fast enough. That would probably mean they would never use it. So we could then change what we were building midstream by saying, okay, these pieces really aren't working. And we ended up cutting a couple of the features we had planned to launch with in the end so that we could one, ship faster, but two, make it an experience that customers seem to like better. So it was just incredibly helpful to have the learning so quickly and be able to change course with them. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, like what happens once you have the findings in hand. You know, you mentioned hearing that some people understood things, other people maybe didn't, or there are pieces of it that people didn't understand fast enough. So tell us a bit more about what your team does with the findings and how do the findings from rapid research impact the product development and strategy 
Yeah, for sure. So with rapid research for us, I think just going back to how quick the whole process is, the same people who were making the decisions around what we want to build and what we want it to look like were in all of those conversations and rapid research. We could sit in on the sessions and hear from customers directly. We could then speak with the researcher and Annie at the end. I meant both Annie and the person who is facilitating the conversations, both researchers, to really understand what we are hearing from customers so that we all had the same empathy for what customers were feeling coming out of that round of rapid research. And so from that point, it was really easy for us to say, okay, let's get together and figure out what we need to tweak about this experience to be able to ship something that will hopefully work as well as we want it to. So as soon as we got the findings, our awesome design team reflected on them, ended up making changes to the design that we ended up giving to engineering so that the end experience that we shipped is hopefully better. But my fingers are still crossed because it's not something we've shipped yet, but it will be going to customers in the next couple of weeks. So we're really excited about the changes we are able to make like directly following rapid research. So as always, before we close out our episode, we'd like to answer a question that we have received from at Twitter research. So today's question is, there's been a lot of discussion previously on the podcast about continuing to champion your insights after you've done the research and presented. What is some advice you can share on balancing the need to continue championing your findings while continuing to research quickly? This is a good one. All right. So from my perspective, the thing about rapid research is that because the value is its speed, there is a lot less focus on making a beautiful, beautiful slides and having a big narrative. Like it's very much these were your questions. These were your answers. And I think the way that Isabella spoke about using it in terms of bringing it back to the team and saying, okay, here's what works and here's what didn't work and here's where we want to try to make changes. And then working through those changes and putting it back into research the following month, that to me is kind of the ideal situation. And so whereas we have some research studies that are really big and there's a lot to internalize, there's a lot to understand, and in a way they can feel less immediately actionable because they can be a little bit more conceptual or a little bit more like strategic or high level. This is very much like people don't know what that button does. And you're like, great. All right, let's, <laughs> let's figure out another way to, you know, add a button or whatever it is. And so I think that the, with this one, I think it's important to share out the findings with very, very clear actionable recommendations. So not just saying people don't understand the button, but saying people don't understand the button because X, we would recommend, you know, trying Y because that might mitigate the problem. And then the hope would be that we can follow up with the teams or just kind of keep in touch so that if they do take those recommendations, if they do make those changes, they know there's another research session happening next month and they can put it in front of users again and continue to quickly iterate until they get it right. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like that's what we did with our rapid research as well. And I love that concept of being able to go back with it. 
And that was why when Isabella reached out to me and said, I know we did rapid research last month, but is there any chance we could get a slot because we made the changes and we want to test it again? I mean, it was music to my ears. I screenshotted it. I sent it to my boss. I was like, I look, I'm doing a good job. Um, and it Annie was is so, definitely doing a good job. I, Annie's boss. Thanks, thanks so much. Screenshot that too. So it really was like such a strong example to me of what we want teams to do with these learnings that it was, it was such an easy yes. And, you know, my ask of, of Isabella was like, yes. And can you just tell everyone (laughs) that you're doing rapid research again? And here's how it's been helpful. Because I think, you know, that was kind of the, such an ideal scenario. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of I Wish I Knew. It's been great chatting with you, Annie, about all things rapid research, learning more about how it came to be and your approach to socializing something new in such a big company. So thank you for all you did to make this program happen and help us get some really actionable learnings quickly. Thank you. So you can reach out to us on Twitter. I am at Annie Molly. That's both with an I-E at the end. And I am at Isabella Turch, T-U-R-C-H. Or you can always join the conversation and tweet us any questions at Twitter Research to have them answered in future episodes. We will have new episodes coming out soon. So please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out. Thank you. Thank you.